0: You've got a lot of sausages and things that just come to their head and. And away again! Toby Flood. God's sake! He pulled my scrub cap off and he squirted water in my face, and you're not allowed to do that. Tuck it off! Sofa not
1: What a yoga. Hello and welcome to season two, episode three of the Waist High Rugby Pod. The pod that no one asked for, but you're, you're getting anyway. I'm delighted to be joined today by Adam and Tom. Unfortunately, Jack or Ben couldn't make it. I am still recovering from a pretty heavy weekend in southern Spain. But gents, how are we? Tom, you go first. I'm not going to let you fight over it again.
2: I'm really, really happy and good. I am now 30 years old and two days.
1: What did you do to celebrate your birthday, Tom?
2: Uh, I did a leadership course run by (laughs) North Norway Leadership. That was my positive reaction to the leadership course.
1: So were you able to celebrate in the evening though?
2: Yeah, yeah, we had a lot of fun in the evening.
1: Was it just like the one bar you got in in like a 300 mile radius?
2: No, it was like a cabin. We all went to a cabin in like the mountains or whatever they're called. But it was raining, so you couldn't really see anything. But it was pretty cool, actually, their location. So I can't really complain about that.
1: Yeah, nice. All right, uh, Adam, how's it going?
0: Yeah, not too bad. A little bit tired, to be honest. It's been a uh, busy weekend, but uh, work's been quite tough. There's been a lot of heavy lifting and stuff, and my hair just looks like I've got donkey's ears at the moment. But uh, yeah, very good, very good. Looking forward to the weekend, and I'm always ple- always a pleasure to see your two faces on this uh, on this video chat. So yeah, always love to be on the pod. It's nice. <laughs> Feels warm now.
1: I feel like I'm I'm at home nice. again. You know, it's nice. Tom, were you waving there? Like, we was that you saying hello to Adam, or you wanted to interject?
2: Yeah, I wanted to interject. Why are you lifting like big things? Don't you meant aren't you meant to cut the wood up as a carpenter? And then it'll be lighter, and then you can just carry it in your hands.
0: Well, that's the problem you have when you work with another rugby player. You would normally just cut things up, but it's just a man challenge every time let's not cut this six by six, which is six meters in two. Let's just carry it in six it, it as a six meter length. Be fine. So yeah, it's just constant man challenges. It's a Bit like when you go training with your buddies in the gym, it's just like, see how much you can lift, see how much you can lift. Boss is telling you just take one. Now nah, we'll take three. Be fine. So yeah, a bit, bit, bit exhausted at the moment, but uh, yeah, sure. Maybe should cut it up. Yeah, we'll do that next time.
1: <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, this weekend there's uh yeah, round two of the rugby, right? So you're if I'm right in saying you're coming up to or coming across to Oslo, it's first there.
0: That's right. Yeah, the uh the not the big one, but uh yeah, there's a there's a bit of history in that, in that fixture. Uh but yeah, looking forward to it. We're uh few of us are, are driving over and staying in a Hutter in Arendal, so we'll try and get the uh, the World Cup game on the Friday night. Nice. Uh, then do the rest of the drive on Saturday morning and then looking forward to a good game on Saturday.
1: Nice. When are you, are you back to Stavango on Saturday night or Sunday?
0: Yeah, so Sunday. We, You know, with Stavango, we, we don't go. We always stay for the socials. That's what it's all about. It's 50% playing, 50% social, isn't it? You don't <laughs> just go. You don't just get back in your car and go. This is to all of those people out there that do it in and out on a day. Nope, you have to stay for the social. It's essential.
1: Unfortunately, I think some of our boys are coming in and out on the day on Saturday. We're going up to uh, to Trondheim, and I, I think for work or whatever reasons, a few have to leave literally straight after the game. But I know some are, are definitely driving up on Friday evening, and yeah, then some most flying Saturday morning, I guess.
0: You bo- you boys have got Trondheim, yeah?
1: Yeah, it's the first of our three consecutive weekends now. So Trondheim first, and it's we've got we've just about scraped a team. I think we'll have one, maybe two substitutes, so we're quite uh, we're actually quite happy with that. I I'm personally can't make it, but yeah, we we should be okay. Like we're we're pretty forward heavy, so I think the game plan is going to be centered something around that. But I'll try not to get into it too much and give give a lot away. But I think it'll be
0: a good game. It's always good fun going up in Trondheim as well. I've always had some of my best away games have been in Trondheim because you normally are. I mean, for Stavanger, we can't just get in a car like you guys can, but we have to fly, so it's normally quite expensive. Yeah. So we're normally a bit light when we go to Trondheim, so it always makes it a little bit harder a game than it should be. Uh, but then you get on it after with the, the Trondheim boys, they're good lads, and Trondheim's a great place yeah. to go out as well. So it, um, we
1: had um, my, my first ever game in Norway was actually Trondheim away, and I just remember. First of all, in the warm up, they were really smart because they, they clearly looked at the weather forecast and up there. Obviously it changes like three times every five minutes from snow to rain to hail to bloody everything. And we came out for the warm up and we had it all. So like we were literally running directly into like hail because it was so slanted and then we're like, right, okay, let's just be smart and face the other way. But it changed and then it was coming in our faces again. Um yeah, it was absolutely it's yeah, the weather up there is, is crazy, but uh, the game itself was great. And as you said, the social in, in that English pub they do afterwards was, uh, was a lot of fun. Although I don't think they'll appreciate uh, Jules and Theo and taking off some of the doors as per usual.
0: So I'm sure they got their fair share of liabilities up in Toronto. so I'm sure they're used to it. But uh, yeah. yeah, give it a, I'm sure they'll give it a good nudge.
1: And then I'll tell you what, I've actually never been more pissed off with someone in my entire life, right? So the next day on the Sunday, we were all extremely hungover. And Teo, you know, he was like, oh, you know, let's go to this restaurant. I've got a place in mind. It's it's a 10-minute walk. It's a 10-minute walk. And there was the egg on right up in the tower, which revolves. And like three things, right? Firstly, it was a fucking two-hour walk, not a 10-minute walk. So four things in fact secondly we were all dying of a hangover thirdly the food was shocking and then fourth i ordered a beer which cost out which cost me 20 pounds and i was so hungover i didn't realize it was a revolving bar and i was like lent on the bar it was going like further and further away from me and i was like what the fuck is going on here and then then i, I suddenly twigged. and i was like oh yeah it's spinning uh, not it's not just my head Oh mate, that sketchy as anything. It was, it was absolutely revolting. I've never been that hungover. Well, actually, I say that probably this weekend I was, but yeah, um, yeah, it's not
0: a bad place. Yeah. yeah, how long does it take you to drive from Oslo up there?
1: It's um, a good question. I think it's going to be about seven or eight hours. Um, yeah, no, it's got to be more than that. Bergen's seven hours. I don't know. I don't. I. I, oof, I couldn't even guess really. Because I'm supposed for you guys, it'd be best part of twelve or thirteen, right?
0: Oh, you can't. You wouldn't want to drive for me, you know. Uh, yeah, about fourteen hours, I think it is driving. Yeah, because yeah, yeah you, you have to touch normally touch down in Bergen when you go on the flight because it's it, yeah. But um, no, I mean, it, like driving to games is I think it's always a good option as well because you obviously it saves down on the costs and because we've got like seven in our car going, um, mm. so that should be good fun. We could share the driving a bit and. Yeah, let's keep, keep, yeah, with seven people splitting the cost of the petrol, it's, it's nothing compared to three grand on a flight.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think that's literally what we've done. I think the club are contributing a little bit to the cost of the minivan because we haven't got a, a coach being able to go. So we're just going to mm. make it up with a, yeah, I think a bit of money towards that. We should be good. Scooby- Tom, you unmute, you and every time I see that happen, I know you want to say something.
2: Yeah, I'm just bored of you talking about logistics now. So, <laughs> Adam, what are your tactics against Sargana?
0: My tactics is simple. It's like every game that we have, just try and score more than them. Because uh, I'm sure if we score at least one point more than them, we'll probably win the game. Probably, mm, I think so. But if if they score more than us, there's a good chance they'll win. But if the scores are
1: the same, it'll probably be a point each. Should we just do an episode of Michael Owen idioms? Like, oh yeah, you've got to be better. You've got to be the better team to win the game, or. <laughs> yeah. why it's do you want to know our tactics against against Saga anyway
2: it's exclusive mate I want to know what you're going to do against Sogner. you well, must have some even if, like
0: even if some I idea you,
2: of what you're going to do
0: yeah but even if I told you my tactics against Sogner, they're going to be totally different to what we would use against Blinden so it's not going to give you any benefits it's only going to be in a negative and a, a lose-lose situation for me
2: so you're not gonna tell me your tactics. What about your team's tactics? If you can't think of a tactic for yourself, what 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 are what are uh, the core principles of Stavanger rugby? Like and what they're gonna bring.
0: Size. Okay, so the core principles are go forward, support and be clinical.
2: So you're not gonna do tackling?
0: I think that's about being clinical in defence, isn't
2: it? Is that I don't know. It just sounds very waffly, that Adam. I'm hoping for some like detail, some some fat on the bone or whatever it's called.
1: Sorry, did you say some plat on the bone?
2: Fat, fat on the bone.
1: <laughs> I've got plenty of fat on the bone, mate. Don't you worry.
2: That's why, that's probably why I said it. Cause I'm oh, looking at you now.
0: Inspiration. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not giving you, I'm, I'm, I mean, at the end of the day, we're going to just try and enforce our game plan, which I'm not going to go into. We try and enforce our game plan, uh, starve them of the ball, keep the ball. If we keep the ball, they can't. School, another Michael Owenism.
1: <laughs> we were uh, we've got a, a change at number nine this weekend, which I think is going to be a pretty big talking point for a few guys. Oh yeah, go on. Who's that? Jules, the big Frenchie. <laughs> is Will not available? So uh, no, he's going to ten. Um, I think Teo not available. So and uh, for the past two years. Also, Jules has always been saying that he's 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 been a natural number nine when he's back in France and stuff like that. And for those that don't know who Jules is, um, you should do because he's he's quite a big guy, <laughs> terrible rig, and uh, yeah. So he claims to be a number nine. So we're actually going to see it in action for the first time on Saturday. Apparently,
0: hang on, can I just can I just iron this out now? Because we go on about terrible rigs every week, right? And I'm normally the butt of that joke for terrible rigs. Fair. Do you think having a good rig? And I'd like to hear some other thoughts of people that might listen to the podcast as well. Does a good rig, is that synonymous with being a good rugby player? What do you think, Tom?
2: I think that it has absolutely nothing to do with being a good rugby player. Yeah, then Tom I hasn't think got it's two just people. What did you say?
1: You haven't got two ankles to stand on, literally.
2: Yeah, but you balance with blubber, mate, so be careful.
0: <laughs> I'm glad you said that, Tom, because there's many many times like you know, I've been in the rare occasion I do visit the inside of a gym. I've asked a couple of guys, oh he looks he looks fit Let's get getting down to rugby training. He comes down to rugby training, he looks like he's the most fittest bloke in the world, but can't handle half a session and doesn't come back again. So I, I don't know. I, I'm just I'm just putting it out there for all the boys who look a bit thicker. You know, I'm gonna stand stand by my, my fellow brethren doesn't necessarily mean just because you've got a good rig you can you, you you're good at rugby
1: no to be I fair think
2: actually it could be like detrimental to being a good rugby player having a good rig because loads of people perform better when they're not like seven percent body fat look at Tyson Fury would he be mm-hmm. the same boxer if he got down and was super skinny like you you have like an optimal body type for your your level of performance Vinny Villapolo I don't think he's got a six pack. one of the best rugby players Go in. so i think actually like a lot of the time it's it's over focused on like when they do like skin fold tests or check their body like why are you checking their body fat check how they like train check how they play how much muscle do you need to send a pass or to mm. tackle someone like i think it's a bit daft to be honest
0: i mean that's what that's one of the things like being involved with the youth rugby in norway that's one of the things which i think is a selling point for rugby is you know if you in norway typically if you can't play football and you have to be fast and skillful or you handball fast and skillful but, but what if there's a heavyset lad there who'd be the perfect prop for instance what's he going to do when he gets to 14 and he hasn't made it as a footballer what's what's him to turn around to so that's what I'm trying to trying to educate the norwegians about it's like in rugby there's a position for every body type you know you got your short thick guys your tall long guys your skinny skinny long guys your short fast guys is a position for everybody that's why i just don't understand why and norwegians are built for it they're they're mad about the fitness you know and like and these kids that i get like a typical like i've got one kid in the in the youth who is a little bit heavy but his hand-eye coordination is amazing he's got good pace he reminds me of himself really um but you know he wasn't being taken seriously in football and he was like going to give up on sport and then one of his mates said i'll come down and try rugby and he's one of the stars of the team you know, and that's what, I, what we really need to try and get across to people about rugby. It just fills those gaps. But yeah, anyway, sorry, rant over. Just stop stop no, saying about think... shit, rig.
2: <laughs> no, I totally agree. I think rugby has become especially I think that's the danger rugby faces now, is that so much of it has become about uh fitness and what you're bad at. So if you're not or not necessarily what you're bad at, but you have to work really, really hard on the things that make you an average player. But you never focus on what makes you exceptional. Like in, the, in the pros, it's like no one focuses on having an exceptional pass anymore. It's can they get up from a rook within the time limit their coach has set for them to get back in the defensive line? Mm. Well, if he's a second late, does it really matter? It's like uh, one of my mates who plays in England, he was saying that he was getting like told off in like film in training, because he was like one meter out right of position when the uh, when the pass was made, and he was saying, "Well, there was no line break that happened from it; absolutely nothing happened." But then he's like getting like told off for not being in exactly the right position, and it's like, "What's the point? Mm. Like, yeah, why aren't you focusing I mean, on what makes him great at rugby? Why are you focusing on what mm. small details that aren't really that important? I know why exactly. are we yeah. so bothered?"
1: I know exactly which coach you're on about there and I couldn't agree more.
2: It's 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 tough to me. It's like if semiran randa puts on two kilograms of fat, does it matter? No. Does that make him a worse rugby player? No. Does it even make him less fit?
0: Mm.
2: I don't know. Like it makes him look less good and it, it's probably bad. It probably rep it probably reflects badly on uh S and C coaches like the conditioning coaches it reflects badly on them then they can't put in their metric to say they've improved everyone's fitness by five percent because there's now ten percent less fat in the team on average so then they don't hit their goals and targets they've set themselves and then but it's got nothing to do with rugby Yeah.
0: Mm. yeah it's like it's like um i don't know if you know that guy james smith the pt guy who's all over facebook and anyway, he's he's he's, pretty, he's a pretty famous uh, PT, and he's he's like an influencer, if you like. But he um he he played for us for Stavanger once, and uh, and he, he does some interesting podcasts and stuff like that and videos. And he says like, because he used to play rugby, obviously doesn't anymore. But he was like, I haven't got the body I've got from playing rugby. I play rugby because of the body I've got, which I thought was really interesting because it's like, okay, I, I, when people see me, they go, oh, you're a big guy, and I used to say, oh, it's because I play rugby. It's not. I I probably play well because I'm a big guy. Do you know what I mean? And so I think like you just got to work on. I'm agreeing with you, Thomas. Weird. This feels so strange. But well, um, you know, work on the stuff which is good. So if you're naturally big, you can work on that. Obviously, if you need to get your pace up, you can work on that. But don't be head up on the percentages and who and set a goal that everyone should be doing this and everyone should be doing this. As long as you've got, as long as you can do it. Who cares about the tests and stuff like that? Because obviously when you get in a game as well, you obviously lift your level at least twenty percent in a game because of that, you know,
1: the, the buzz of the game and stuff like that. But yeah, interesting. Interesting. How do you get these really random but quite famous people playing for Stevingar? I don't get well, I can understand Honey Badger, but like these people, how the hell do you get them?
0: It's so weird. Well, we, we used to we used to talk quite a lot. So we used to do like in preparation for the sevens, we always used to go to like Amsterdam sevens or we'd go to a London sevens or um, Stockholm or whatever. we just go. And, and then there's always touring teams there. So you get to know people in the bars and stuff And because we're social. We talk to people, you know, just keep ourselves to ourselves. But uh, yeah, we just invite people over and just and then people seem to love it. But yeah, it is. It is a bit, bit random. The kind of the roster we've had with some famous people in our teams before. Yeah, Yeah.
1: really interesting. Mad. Quantum, we need to we need to work our magic with Blindhead now.
2: Yeah, well, I don't know anyone famous.
1: Um, how's the how's the football going up north, Tom?
2: Oh, it's all right. Next game's next week. The first game we drew two two. Are you you Um, healthy? Yeah, well, I'm probably like 60% fit. But uh, I, we did draw against a team who had a must have been 45 to 50 year old, small, fat bloke at fullback. And I don't understand how we drew to a team with a player like that. But that probably just proves the point that body type is not everything. You can't judge <laughs> skill and how effective a player is, even in football. It's like, it's very easy to say, like, when you watch the Prem, like, it's not that long ago, like, when Rooney was playing, he was a little bit chubby. But Mm -hmm. it never, you didn't stop him becoming, like, one of the top three, four, five best players in the world. But I was, uh, yeah, England's best ever player. Yeah. But I was quite curious, uh, how did the the Watson Cup go?
0: The Watson Cup, yeah, great success. Um, So we had 71 registered players. Uh, from around seven or eight different clubs in Norway. Um, Horton, Fredrikstad, uh Sanez, Christian Sand were there as well. Uh, obviously Stavanger and then there was one other. Um, yeah, there was another, Romerik. Rame, R- there was one, one player from there as well. But yeah, it was great, mate. We, um, we had a big barbecue going on uh, down at Lassa. Uh, some of the kids came up on the Friday from horton and stayed in a in a school hall did an overnight there and then uh we had a, a tournament um and it was just played in. so honestly I know it sounds like i i've I've got to say this but if that day with the people around it with the the parents and the kids if that day is indicative of of norwegian rugby future then the future's bright I know that sounds like a sales pitch or whatever but it was so good to see the parents were really involved. They were getting on the kiosk. Um, and there's some really good rugby being played. We had three different age groups, uh, like I said, and we Christian Sand rugby that I think that was their first official tournament as well. So some of the, some kids, there was probably about eight or nine kids that had never even played rugby before. Um, and it was just amazing to see, just to see them all come together. Sorry, Tom, did you put your hand up there, mate?
2: Yeah, I had I have like a follow up question, and that's okay now i sound really rude okay well done great job but what what how do you like capitalize on it because if these kids like how do you get when's the next tournament when's the next opportunity how are we gonna
0: yeah so um we have a, a whatsapp group with south uh southwest rugby uh, where the, all the people who are involved in youth rugby, we talk on a regular basis, and, and basically, okay, well, we're planning on doing this. Do you guys want to come? So that's initially, initially how we got the Watson Cup up and running. Uh, but and from that, Sanders are doing another tournament uh, in November the fourth, which will be called call the Raiders Cup, Sanders Raiders. Uh, but also, we learn. Because we 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 had a good conversation with Horton as well. The Horton are doing something on the 30th of September as well. So potentially we're going to go to that as well. And it's just about supporting each other because, you know, there's there's a lot of people doing a lot of good things and the kids just love it. They absolutely love it. They've bought into it completely. And and the parents also as well, because obviously it can't happen without the parents. And the parents just love to see the kids having a good time. Um, I know for my team particularly, we were playing. Uh, you know, players that were kind of in some cases two years older, but even though they, you know, technically they got beat every game, they absolutely loved it. Smiles on their faces, putting in big hits, um, and there was some really good individual talent there as well. Um, but how do we keep it going? We just build on it. I, I always think that, like when we talk about recruitment with youth here, there's no point in going cold into a into a school and saying, "Oh, come on, come and play rugby." Someone has never done it. Your best advertisers are the kids that are already involved so you go right so what I do is I say to the kids right there's going to be a prize for whoever gets the most friends down to training and they're going to give you a prize at the end of the season still don't know what that prize is but they the thought of a prize the kids love it so then next thing next week you know there's three or four more kids you tell them the same they bring down one they bring down one. I started off um like two or two and a half three years ago and we had eight in my age group we now have 33 you know, it's just it because they're the best adversaries. Come down, that's what I do. This is great. This is great. They don't want a, an out of shape, bad rigged person going into a into a school and say, come and play this sport. They want that want to do what their mate's gonna do, they're gonna follow the mates. So I think the best way forward is basically spreading the word, uh, making good posts where you tag yourself in on a post on Facebook and let everybody know what you're doing. And um and hopefully it grows like that. you Just grow organically to start with, and then uh hopefully if you can pick up a few extra players, then that extra players become more and more and more, and so on. Does that answer the question, Tom?
2: Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, I, I sort of have like similar experiences from when I was coaching football in Oslo. That mm. if you could get like four or five of them and they really enjoyed it, you'll just get their friends would just join. So if you, you have like a yeah, youth, yeah. So I coached like there. I didn't coach the top kids in the age group. I coached like there. They were called like the recruit. Mm. And Usually there was a massive fall-off, but because I basically did trainings where they were guaranteed a like a game at the end, there was always going to be a game and it was always going to be about half an hour to 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Suddenly kids just flocked in because they just yeah. want to play football. So, so I you've... didn't overcoach them. I just let them play football.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so you've coached men and kids, yeah? Yeah. So I'll be interested to know what your opinion is and the difference between coaching men and youth. What you found the main difference, and then I'll tell you my main difference. What I think, see if it's the same.
2: So I coached football for, with kids, and I think that I think the main difference I noticed with uh, coaching kids is that you don't have to do a lot; you just have to get them running, and then let them take care of themselves. Whereas men are a lot harder to organize because they want mm. to know a lot more. They want more information. And they're more, not curious, but they're more dumb and more insecure. Whereas mm. if you tell kids you're playing a game, there's a goal there and a goal there, they'll make their own rules up.
1: Does you it know like... the, um... sorry, does it give you a bit of an ego boost as well when you, when you get involved towards the end and you're playing against all these kids who are, you know, seeking to show off your skills?
2: Yeah. That's when I get the kick, the shit kicked out of me. When they will try and kick me. But, no, that is probably the main difference is mm. like you don't have to tell like 14 year old lads like too much information. Whereas when you like, even like if we're setting up like touch for five versus five, there'll be an argument over whether we're going from the five to the 10 or five to the halfway or the 22 mm. to the halfway. And then that's two, three, four minutes just gone on that. Whereas if you tell kids you're playing a game, goal, goal, they'll make it up. They'll either yeah. do. In- Throw ins, or they'll do kick it in from the sideline, or they'll play, they don't really care, they just want to play football, so they just get on with it.
1: Yeah, how did you uh find coaching kids in England, Adam? Like in rugby, um, well, that's where I learned my trade, really.
0: I mean, I did my coaching with the sale the sharks, like I've said before, um, but that, that was that was a different because they were kind of like elite, um, they were like the best of the best, so that was more kind of challenging them in terms of. They'll get bored and they 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 know things quite quickly. But uh when I went back and put it into practice in the clubs, it was pretty much similar to what Tom's saying. They just want to play. So you just have to keep it fast pace. Uh, you have to keep the competition, you always have to keep score because they always want to know what the score is. But even though you'd keep telling the system it's not about the score, it's about having fun. But that's part of that's fun for them. Um, the main difference which I find from coaching men and coaching kids is like if you tell a bloke, if a, if a bloke who's been playing for say 10 years. And you go right, mate. Maybe when you do your inside ball or your, your short ball here, take a step off your right before you do it, instead of just going straight, because you'll get probably get a bit better, better, uh, better purchase or a better, better effect. He'll just carry on doing what he's doing. It's like the definition of insanity. He'll just carry on. He'll try and he'll just try harder in his way. You tell a kid and they do it the next time and they see the difference and they're like, oh wow! Like even at the tournament on uh, on Saturday. You know, I had a debrief at at halftime, right guys, uh, you know, always ask them questions, open questions of like, you know, what do you think is going well? What do you think we can work on? And you let them come up with an idea and so that they own the idea and you coach them into a way of coming to the answer of what you were going to tell them. So then they take ownership of it. And then you go in the second half and you see they have just solved that problem themselves. So the buzz I get from coaching kids is like, you'll have a kid who'll come who's probably never touched a ball before. And then all of a sudden, at the end, he's buzzing because he scored his first try, or he's he's learned how to pass the ball, or he's he's learned how to run hard, or he's learned his body position in the rucks. So that's that's why I get a lot a, a massive buzz out of it. Um, yeah, it's 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 very rewarding. Um, yeah. What about you? Todd? Ed, Have you ever coached any kids, or have you just done mainly seniors? I have,
1: I've done it. No, I did it across cricket and rugby. Actually, I did my level one training in cricket, and then. I, I was the head coach. Oh uh, well, I helped the PE department at my school and I, I was coaching the uh, under nines and then I was coaching under twelves at my local club and then rugby I was coaching under I think it was under fourteens for a summer and I tell you what, they were absolutely horrible little so and so's. Um, you know, a lot of them come from like really rough backgrounds in Hull and places like that, and um trying to whip them in whip them in shape. I felt I felt a bit like Coach Carter or something. <laughs> it was uh they were we had some absolutely incredible players in that in that team though. Uh but they were just on a whole they were really yes they wanted to play and you know we tried to get them just out on the pitch as quickly as we could and get them playing a fast type of rugby and things like that. But a lot of them their attitude was just uh you know go they just wanted to go out there and, and cause violence um without really worrying about the score line, which uh that that was probably the challenge. Yeah. Awesome. Go on, Tom.
2: I I was uh gonna ask because uh how do you teach the rules of rugby to to kids that have never played or seen or watched it Adam because like no. football they watch it they play FIFA like the vast majority of them know the rules of football. Whereas rugby, I could see that being such a hard challenge. Like teaching the offside line, teaching the like the rock, the maul, the scrum, like the free kick, and it's a penalty, and then after you've scored, it's a this, and it's a, like there's so many, so much, so much more complex.
0: Yeah, hundred um, percent. I think the key is just to keep it simple. They aren't going to learn everything in one session, so don't bombard them. Uh, what I like to do when I have new players, and uh, my kind of coaching style is I have. I was taught this by with my coaching badges in England was have a, a game zone and a skill zone. So if you've got two, you normally need two coaches for this. So you'll have a game zone where you've got a game of touch going on, where you're focusing on say rucking. So then in the skill zone, you'll have someone fo- we're breaking down the rook. So you take one from each team. So the team's are always even and they have three minutes maximum in the skill zone. And then they'll go and they'll learn how to do the body position and rook. And then they come back after three minutes and they, come back into a conditioned game where they're doing rocking, So they're using that skill they've just broken down straight into the game zone and they come in and they pick somebody else that goes in the skill zone. If I have a new player, what I'll do is I'll add the skill zone as passing, for instance. How do you pass the ball? And those new players will go with ideally probably the person who's introduced into the game, uh, one of their mates, and they'll be there so that they're familiar with someone. They'll do the passing and then we'll come back into the game and all they've got to do is, 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 is pass. So I'll give them to start with, they'll have no more than three things to focus on: that be passing, running forward, and um, possibly, possibly an introduction to tackling. But if they, if they, if if they're not done tackling, I'll normally put a bib on them and they're touching. Uh, but no more than, th- no more than three things. Ideally, probably two. So yeah, it, it's difficult. Then you kind of just drip feed and you go right next ne- uh, next week or take a ball home with you, keep practicing your passing. Um have a look at some videos, um, talk to you guys. But I never give um one big tip for any youth play, youth coaches out there is um never do the demonstrations yourself because they can't picture that. If it's to you to, even though I've got a I keep saying a bad rig, they look up to me as some sort of god because I know rugby and I'm the coach and it's like yeah, you're the official, you know. So there's no point in me doing it because they think whatever I do is just magical. So I always get the demonstrations by the people that are uh, the kids that have been there a while and I know they can do the skill. So i get them to demonstrate same with like, if when it comes to bag work, I hate seeing coaches on a bag. It's just not realistic. Even if, you know, it's gotta be another kid. The kid has to hold the bag. You teach them how to hold a bag properly and and they do the demonstrations for you and then what you can do is then break that down and and you can coach those two kids who are demonstrating at the same time and you can see what they're doing so it's about them kind of like being able to put themselves in that sort of okay I can see that I can put myself I can picture myself doing that now because that it that's my mate who's doing it you know and he's the same age as me but if a if a coach does it it's like well hang on you're some sort of god so no yeah
2: um Yeah, just following up on that. So say if you had a kid who trained once a week with you, how long, how many training sessions would they need before you'd you'd, they'd feel comfortable in a game? Not play a game, but you'd watch them in a game and you'd go, Oh yeah, he knows what he's doing now. Rather than I'm putting him on, but I don't I don't really care whether he does well or whatever. I just want him to experience it. But how long does it take for you to like watch them and think? Yeah, he's he's really understood, or she's really understood the game.
0: Yeah, so I mean, the age group that I have, it really doesn't matter about the score or anything like that. So I wouldn't worry about putting them on if he's going to be detrimental to the team's performance, for instance. But what I think what you're getting at is whether I feel he's safe in terms of like when it comes to contact, uh, which is um, so. It's about having an open dialogue with them. If they feel like they can do it, then I would then put my trust, and then he would get he would think, oh, he trusts me. So if he if I say to him, how do you feel about tackling? And he says, yeah, I'm good. Then I'm not going to say no, you're not, because it's, it just dampens his confidence straight away. If he thinks he's good, then go for it. But then if I see something where I can see, oh, actually, no, you need, then we, then we take him back into the skill zone and we work on that thing that he needs to be work, worked on and go right, okay. And but because everyone's doing the skill zone, I haven't singled him out and made him feel awkward. It's like no, the skill zone now. What we're doing is tackling because I've identified that one person is struggling with the tackling area. So skill zone now we can because we can change the skill zone whenever we want. And it's about adapting to me, right? Because every kid's different. Some kids will come and they'll be like, oh, no, I really don't like it. And she just, well, what is it you don't like about it? I think I'm going to get hurt. Well, okay. If you do it like this, go in the skill zone. We'll break it down. We do it as we can do walk, you know, touch, touch, tackle. So, like, you touch back onto your fronts. And then it's a controlled, very, it's instead of, like, smashing into each other and running full pelt, you you slow that contact area down and then at the same time because it's slowed down you can then coach them right okay get in the tower of power which is the you know a strong position for a tackle etc and then you just build it up and then they become more and more confident yeah so yeah i suppose it depends on the kid but if you obviously security is the you know safety is the most important thing at the end of the day
2: yeah i also meant it not just the safety part of it. Like I understand that's what everyone focuses a lot on in rugby, but I was meant more like game understanding as well. Mm. So how long do you think it would take to, for them to like, you could put them on in a match and they would understand their position and what their role is. And that if they say, I'll give you an example. They've come to their first training session today. They're 14 yeah. years old. They've played a bit of football yeah. and you're going to play them as a flanker. So quite a open position where there's lots of like, sort of all-round sort of skill set, how long do you think that would take you for, to coach them? And then you'd put them on a flanker and they'd be like comfortable and understand the position.
1: You uh, so, you, you, want... you might you might think something else to me here, Adam, but I think it's it's entirely dependent upon the person. I think, you know, you have a lot of people who are real overthinkers and um, almost kind of micromanaging themselves into the sense that they they want to question every little detail and every little fact about their role. Whereas and they'll never, because, and then you overthink something, you, you actually don't get the fuller, you don't get the base understanding, right? It might sound a bit weird, but I've seen that happen. Um, mm. But then I've seen some people like, you know, coming in and playing in a nine role or a 10 role or something. And then they've just picked it up in like literally a few months, but then I've had people who've kind of come in and they've taken, you know, amazing players, but they've taken the best part of a year to kind of get that understanding of what, of what they need to be doing.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, because like for example, there was a guy when played in the the week sevens this year. There was a kid who played for for and he'd it was a Saturday, and he'd only had his first rugby training on the Tuesday. And honestly, I saw him. I was like, God, he's good. Like he was generally really good. He just picked up like like nothing. And he was playing 10, 10 role and he was making tackles, making runs, passing the ball. He just had it. He was just naturally a gifted sportsman. But then you get some kids who might suffer a little bit from OCD. You know, they might've had a bad day. You don't know what's going on in their personal life. Their mum and dad might be splitting up or this kind of thing. So it's, it's, it's like Ed says, um, every kid's different, Uh, but it also, as a, a good coach will notice, okay, right, the, he's not really got the mental cap, capacity to take on too much. So what I'm going to do to him is I'm going to say, right, your job is catch the ball and run as hard as you can, and when the, when and when you're defending, is just tackle as hard as you can. So he's got two things to think about, and that's his contribution to the team. But then again, you've got some other kids who are who are a little bit more a little bit more gifted than you you, you know, and and n- maybe natural leaders. You put them in the playmaking positions, and they 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 thrive on that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you get if you get a player like that who you know you need to say to them if, for a few games like you know what, just get the ball and run, or just just tackle the guy, whatever it is, right? Just something really really basic. After a few games, they'll come up to you, they'll be like, yeah, but like I'm good at that now. But like, what if I was to start doing this? Or and then they they start to see themselves that they can go to that kind of next level almost. Um, they're like, oh, you know, should I be should I now be jackling for the ball as well? You know, should I be making the tackle, getting up and jackling, or whatever it is? Right, it's small things but it's it's for them to gain that confidence just by doing the basics well. Then I think yeah. once you have that confidence, you start to look at other parts of like becoming a, a better player in general, right? 100%. And, and praise is massive for kids as yeah, well. Yeah.
0: Absolutely massive. The smallest things that they do, and they all want to be seen. So you've got to like make eye contact with every single one of them and try and make try and have a conversation which is individual to them on every session that you do, even if it's just a small thing of when they turn up, oh, how was your week at school? They feel included. Um, there was a, a thing I learned was like nobody cares what you know until they know you care. And it couldn't be true with kids, like they don't care what I do or what I've done in the past, who I've trained with, and all this kind of rubbish. They just want to know that you know what I actually care about you and them. Um, um and, and i want you to succeed and 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 if you have that open dialect they coach themselves you coach means co-achieving you achieve together you know and all you're doing there is facilitating so now now that my kids have got used to the way that i coach i i, I train what we do is we, we call it training chaos so i just throw a ball and go right there's a trial line. there's a trial line fix it can we kick oh, did i say you couldn't you know what I mean? Then, then they, they 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 figure it out themselves. Keep them challenged and all that kind of thing. I mean, I'm not the world's greatest coach in the world, but um, you know, I I I, I get a, a massive buzz from it. Absolutely massive buzz when you and I'm sure sure you you've had it over the past. You boys training kids as well, and you you always remember those. You know, grow, grow even even me as a kid as an adult now. Like as a kid, I remember the good coaches, and the, the, normally they were the ones that actually took a bit of interest in me, and didn't I wasn't they didn't just feel like Um, just another another kid that they've got to teach you know don't know if you'd agree with that
1: yeah my one of the best coaches I ever had playing playing rugby growing up was actually when I was in Prague it was an English guy with me and you know he would spend time with me after training you, you know practicing various things or technique or passing or whatever it was he would always stick behind with me and you know I was a decent player back then as well but I just wanted to get better and he would always do that and then I'll never forget one he had to go back to England or something like that, or he kind of had a falling out with our club over there in, in Prague. And uh, the, the, the next coach came in and he was a local lad and he was the polar opposite. So he would actually, he shunned me out of the club, me and my flatmate, because we were foreign. Uh, he showed no interest in us. Um, you know, everything was done in the local language, which I don't mind so much, but we were quite new to the country and was we still trying to pick it up, but he would just give us absolutely zero assistance never talked to us he didn't he was really reluctant to put us into the team um yeah so it, that it, that for me was absolutely it was really telling basically
0: yeah
2: I have another question for you Adam so I've coached uh like a lot of football mainly, and you obviously coached like kids a lot at, uh rugby and that three minute drill thing you're talking about i think it's a genius idea. I've never done it in football, but I would love to have tried it because I think it sounds like it's a great, great idea. Um, why don't we train adults like that? Like, why why does training change when we become adults? Like, do you have any like thoughts around that? Because I think it's a bit bizarre.
1: Yeah,
0: I couldn't I couldn't agree more because like um, when I was in when I was back in the UK, my break from Norway from sixteen to twenty um, it was. I, we had a coach who had been on the same courses that I'd been in. His ethos was the same thing about just playing, 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 creating situations, chaotic situations, because his philosophy was that I, I'm on the sideline. You guys have got to decide when you're on the pitch. So, you know, we never had a training session where there'd be loads load of cones out and it was loads load of structure. It was basically just a square and he'd just throw in and go, right, today the condition is you get one point if you do a good ruck." You know, so you don't even have to score a try so he's focusing on the rook and then he's like right and then he's got the skill zone and we did it as seniors and we improved phenomenally um and i would i would encourage more people to do that kind of thing i mean that that, that wasn't my idea i can't take that that i actually got that directly from the RFU when i did my co- coaching courses of england rugby and um it's it it's a it's a brilliant thing and I, 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 the honest answer is i don't understand why I, I think they should and i think it's something which the RFU it, i think england do train like that
2: because another thought i've had is a lot of uh, a lot of like adult training is a hell of a lot more boring than a lot of uh, um like kids training because like in kids you would never spend half an hour doing fitness in training because you'd be scared that they wouldn't want to come back because they've come to football to train football and now they've had to run for half an hour or do press-ups and you're not going to retain kids by doing that but somehow attitude changes when it become when people when you coach adults it's like now you can do fitness for half an hour whereas my idea would be just make them sweat in a drill or in a game like games are tiring yeah but if you're playing a game where you have to go down and up and like you have to do a press up after a touch or something you are knackered like that mm. is fitness yeah so well,
0: that's, that's bit. and I, I i think my pride at the sand rugby had like a his Strava thing gone when he was doing it. And I think he ran about six or seven K that day in the sand rugby in sand. Now, if you told someone, right, we're going to do a seven K run, someone as big as Mike pride, we're going to do a seven K run, which is probably going to be 75% of your total speed. And we're going to do it uh, over a course of say two, uh, or four, 10 minute splits. That's what we're going to, that's what we're going to do it. You'd be like, mate, what? But, you do it in a game and you just keep going, don't you? Do you know what I mean? So like it, you can, I would be a massive advocate for people doing fitness-based drills, you know, where it, it's high tempo uh, and you, you're training your skills and and, and that's how, that, that's rugby fitness for you, isn't it? It's functional rugby fitness. So what do you think, Ed?
1: It very, it's funny you say that. On a Friday morning when I was in Spain and I was trying to sweat out the hangover, we had a little gym in the villa we, we rented and um, the, one of the guys who was with us, Josh, who you know, Adam, Josh Fowles, who, who played mm. for Cell Sharks, right? He uh, he was doing exactly that. He was on the treadmill. He'll go on and he would go like 10 to 12 seconds real hard as fast as he could. Then he'll have a pause and he would do that, right? It was more game realistic for him. Mm. See, he knows he's not going to be sprinting for, for 10 minutes in the game. So he yeah. will come in, do literally 10, 12 seconds, but he would absolutely smashed a shit out of it um yeah. and he was doing that repetitively over and over i to be fair i was there uh, more in awe of him than doing the actual weights I, I did i did a couple of very small ones but i was uh probably still drunk the night before to be honest yeah yeah there's 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 more ways than just you
0: know pounding uh when it comes to fitness when it was just pounding doing a fitness drill you, you know um fitness-based drills, drills at high tempo, obviously it's got to be planned so it's not just high, 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 medium low or high, low, medium back into a high intensity drills, uh, I, I've I've always responded well for that because it's, like you say it's more like a rugby uh, rugby match you know, um, you, you aren't there's no point, in, someone told me I think it was, I, I, I got personal training when I really got out of shape and he was like there's no point in you just going for a 4K run, for example. You know, you want to be doing similar to what you know, I was advised to do what, what Josh would doing because you know the position of play, it's a lot of short, sharp, intense runs, and then I might have a rest for a minute or two or three minutes, you know. Uh in a short runs and stuff like that's really good. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it is it'd be, it'd be interesting to see what people what people do across Norway for that kind of thing. probably for functional yeah. fitness, it'd be interesting to see what, what other what other coaches put in place.
1: Mm, definitely
2: yeah um, I, i've just never understood why playing rugby isn't good for rugby fitness just never understood that when people like make out fitness to be like this magical complex beast it's like just play rugby like how do you expect to be match fit without playing matches yeah. like, it's yeah,
1: not that complicated. you don't have matches right so you need to do something
2: then they should organize matches play matches in training Mm. like there's other professional teams you just organize them
0: 100 percent five yeah. on five six on six whatever numbers you got to train in, always finish with a game always finishing a game yeah, because yeah, yeah. you know because then you, you you're training your skills under duress as well because you're probably a bit tired from the, the game and it's also that extra fitness as well um but yeah tom couldn't agree with you more mate rugby rugby makes you fitter for rugby simple as that it does it does
1: yeah yeah cool um Anything else happening with you boys at the moment?
0: You've done it again, Ed. We need with you two. You're talking to two alpha males, and neither, is out of respect for the other alpha male, wants to answer first. You need to direct your questions, mate.
1: Tom, what else? Right, I've, got to go go. I've got a
2: question. I've got a question. I've got a question. All right, Adam. Three days before the England's game, first game at the World Cup, and you can mm. like you're the head coach what you focusing on what you training what does the day look like if you were training them
0: oh do you know what, what? Would you go I've for so, i've been so busy i haven't even looked at it i don't do, do, i don't need to know what the teams are and stuff like that no like, like, like
2: yeah like what would you coach like how would you set it up like you, a couple of days out from the first game of the world cup like what yeah what are you thinking think you're focusing on
0: i think my main focus would be mentality i know you are going to hate this answer
1: yeah you're going to hate this answer well, my, <laughs> yeah.
0: No, but, but taking out the, the, the sense of occasion and not letting it get above you because it's the World Cup. So basically keeping it as calm as possible and then just making people believe that go through the process. The pros, the results will look after themselves if you focus on the process. So don't focus on the, the, the media. Uh, don't focus on who you're playing against, which team you're playing against, what they've got. Focus on what your process is. What your game plan is, and the rest will just take after itself. So then it just simplifies it, and they're all professionals as well. So they are used to be able to go back in that zone of like, right, okay. If I, it's just a job. It's my job is now just to focus on this. This is my thing. What do you think, Ed?
1: If I was England head coach right now, and we're playing in three days' time, I'd look at first of all where exactly is the sim bin in relation to the pitch. Because we'll be seeing it pretty soon uh, from the first whistle, I think. If we're England, I would want all my players to run towards Thomas Lavanini so he can get a red card early, um, and then I'll do everything in my power to get Freddie Stewart injured. Tom, what about you, mate?
2: Mate, I don't know. I, I'm I'm torn. I'm torn between like Adam's don't Adam's sort of point of view, but I always feel like they're. Whenever I was like younger and it was like a big game or whatever, the whole "don't think about it, focus on yourself." Whenever you know when someone says "don't think about it," first thing you do is think about it. Like it makes it worse for me. That whole "don't think about it, focus on yourselves." Like do this, do that, go through your processes. It's Like oh, like you put in all this. Like I'm obviously going to be nervous. I'm obviously going to be shitting myself. I'm obviously it's only going to be the only thing I'm going to be thinking about for the next two days. Just leave me alone that's how I'd want to be like how I'd want you to know, deal with it and that I would be yeah. so if I was coaching I would have like maybe in the mornings and in the afternoon like just a quick hour session of whatever but it wouldn't be anything that I, I would feel would actually it would just be a placebo if that makes sense it's just like we're doing this for those players that need this however I wouldn't be adding anything new I wouldn't be doing anything fantastic it would just be like just to get the energy out and then i'd probably just leave them to their own devices after that like go and see your family go and see your friends meet here on 10 o'clock on saturday because i can't really control anything else like you're i don't understand how if if i was playing argentina on saturday i'd be thinking about it today there'd be no way i'd not be able to think about it all the time
1: no, you wanna you wanna do things that are gonna take your mind off it. So yeah, seeing your family, you know, getting the energy out. So I would agree with you, Tom. I would do like one two hour, one or two sessions a day, just for an hour. Or so get the energy out. Um, and then, you know what? I'd be if I was a coach. Generally, I would be saying to to England, like, you know what? Yeah, we've lost four out of the last five five games in the warm-ups or whatever whatever it is. Three out of four. Um, but it's a World Cup. It's a totally clean slate. This. Whatever happened has happened in the over the past two or three months. This is now a totally fresh slate, and we can just go out there with hopefully nothing to lose. And realistically, we should be looking at this and being like, We have we need to put in two performances, it's probably just two performances, and then we're in a semi or a final. Yeah, um, like that we it's literally that. Again, I was I was speaking to I was speaking to Josh about this over the weekend and, you know, I spoke to a few other people about it and like, people are like, oh, you know, England are going to bottle it. They're going to bottle it. I'm like, they're not, they're literally, they, they need two games, two good games and that's it. And I would much rather, again, someone asked me, would you rather England go through the easiest route and get to a final and get to the final? Or would you want to go through the hard route and be like battle ready? I was like, nah, take the easy one. Mm-hmm. Take the easy games have the easy I would do the easy route there easily because it's just the next game
2: yeah but like telling me that if I'm a player and my coach is telling me what you've oh, yeah. said Obviously, it doesn't make any difference to how I feel no,
1: like no, I know no. it
2: like I've lost four games or I've played bad like we've played badly for the last four games yeah. you can't tell me we just need to win two because I won't be believing we're going to win two you
1: but know, like, we've I lost I was putting it very bluntly. I probably wouldn't say to the players, we've done absolutely dog shit. We just need to win two games. But the mentality should be, we go out there with nothing to lose now.
2: But my point is more, it doesn't matter what the mentality should be. I won't feel it. Like whatever the coach says, I can't feel that because I know how I feel. And I'd be, whether whether we'd had four wins on the trot or four losses on the trot before the World Cup, all I'd be thinking about is, I cannot lose this first game. I cannot lose it, and like people will say like I feel like it's a lot of like lip service, all this mentality, this focus, we've worked on it. I don't understand how you can be human and have such good control over how you feel towards a match, which is a complete unknown,
0: just out of interest, are we not allowed to go over an hour on the cup pots or no,
2: it doesn't matter anymore because we okay. can't use the software to Tim thing, so just keep going
0: okay No, cuz i i remember i went to a bar bars game once when uh, nathan's brother the honey badger was playing uh, against australia in twickenham that was a great weekend but anyway we are in the we we're in this um hotel in mayfair at the end of it And john Kerwin, who was the he was the coach he was ex kiwi player who, but arguably the greatest try of all time or something and I was talking to him and um, I was like you know uh, oh yeah I was telling him because at the time we we just Stavango had just uh, we just won every game in the last uh we won every game for the last two years or something we were in rugby world uh, the rugby world magazine and all this as team of the month and stuff and I was captain at the time and I was just talking to him and Probably had a few too many peers, and I was like, Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, well, this is how we did it, and and this is the stuff I say to the guys in the change room and stuff like that. And he he just absolutely slated me, gave me a right going to. And he was like, You think you could I think he says he says, We're playing we're playing Leinster on Tuesday. He says, You can come, I'll invite you. You can come in the change room and you can talk to these guys, these professionals, the ones that at the top of their game, they're getting paid fifteen grand a game just to play for the barbarians and they're on more money with their clubs. You come and see if you you can try and motivate these guys because they aren't going to listen to a word you say. They're professionals. That's what they do. They just have to focus. And all I have to do is trying to get in their heads and let them know what's on the on, online. So it's right. It just came back to me because I'm thinking we're doing it from our own point of view where we play amateur rugby, but if it's a job, how do you approach it? Your approach will probably be slightly different. Do you know what I mean? Because this is what these guys have decided, right, I'm going to do this. So like I'm, I'm a carpenter. I want to be the best carpenter I can. I've chosen to be in this industry and I'm going to try and be the best I can. They've chosen rugby. So like they don't, maybe they don't need the mentality thing. Maybe they just need to know what's at stake or if you do this, you're going to go down in history and that's what that they want to be at that level. I don't know. What do you think? I think especially at the
1: top level, if you've got a shit mentality, you simply, you don't make it. Right? I
2: disagree. Disagree uh, completely on that.
1: I I I wouldn't say so. I think there's a lot of players who have you know and when I say the top mentality I mean the mentality where like you want to obviously you want to be playing every weekend you need to be on top of your game and stuff like that and I really believe that there's a lot of players out there now who haven't had the opportunity to go as far as they should have done purely based on their their attitude and whether or not that's the that's their fault or the or the or the fault of the coach who has this who has this belief that like oh i'm picking players with the best mentality blah 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 i don't know but i i i know people and i've i've been at school with people who have been to play in new zealand uh you know the feeder team to the blues and the super rugby stuff like that and they haven't made anything out of it and i know these people and their mentality was shocking mm. the, But there's the, the people through the roof yeah, yeah.
0: The, f- the few people i've i've met or know that have, have made it as anything professional really, but we'll talk about rugby because there's rugby podcast, but there's always something slightly different about them, different to them than to me. They've all obviously made a lot of sacrifices to do what they do. Do you know what I mean? You wouldn't find them going out on the piss every week. You know what I mean? Um, They've had to make a lot of sacrifices. They travel a lot with the, you know, internationally with their clubs. It, they're, they're constantly having to work out, watch what they eat. So they, they've already got the best ones. It, 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 a lot of it is is the, is the mentality, I think, because you can be very technically or, or naturally gifted, but if you haven't got the other aspect of that, where you keep your head, then you aren't going to be able to put that into 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 fruition. You know what I mean? It's like it's like the daddy longs, daddy long legs effect. Daddy long legs have the uh, you know poison which is the most deadly, but no teeth to administer it. I see so many people like that, like where I think oh, if I had your rig or if I was just tall as you, I'd be a pro. Do you know what I mean? But m- maybe it's just because I'm not willing to sacrifice, you know, yeah. having a pizza on a Sunday or having a few beers yeah. with the lads, or you know what I mean. It's, so it's...
1: I Shit. I totally agree with you, Adam. I mean, you know, I will go away from rugby here for a second, but you know, my my now brother -in-law my sister's husband um he was a he was a team GB athlete growing up right from the age of 16 through to his early 20s he was he he did the hammer throw and he was in team GB number one in in, in GB he was in the Commonwealth Games he was heading towards the Olympics long story short he retired because of injury but he, you know I've spoken to him at this at length right and he went off to the US on a scholarship on the sports and his mentality was exactly what you just said there he was like you know what i sacrificed going out with my mates i sacrificed relationships i i was giving up a lot of this stuff just to achieve what i wanted to achieve which was going to the olympics right that was his end his end goal basically
0: mm-hmm. and
1: he had he had the characteristic but he, and he but he had the mentality as well and doing such a technical discipline he you have to be on it otherwise he wasn't going to make it right mm-hmm. Um Unfortunately, you say he got injured and had to retire at 22 or 23 just before the Olympics. But uh, yeah, I so, I so would,
0: Tom, Tom, you were you were shaking your head then when I yeah, no, talking, Tom vastly talking.
1: disagrees <laughs> with us.
2: I think mentality is just like a bit of a. It makes maybe 0. 0. 0. 0. 0.0.05 difference. I think it's so much more talent, like. I didn't make it because I wasn't talented enough. Mentality, it's not that big of a deal. Talent is so much more important.
0: Yeah, but Tom, my arguments to that would be that there's always going to be people out there t- talented or more talented, and when you get to the top level, every percent makes a difference. And if you can get the edge on someone, and that one those one percent make a difference a huge difference. Like at our level it won't make a difference really to be honest. If you're if you're fast, you're fast and you can tackle and you can pass the ball, you'll do all right. I mean look at Carly Niles, for example. Everyone thought like, you know, it, naturally amazing amazing athlete. Put him in rugby, he couldn't tackle, he couldn't pass the ball. You know what I mean? It's a, I don't know, probably a bad example, but when you're at it's, that it's, level,
1: it's like it's like someone going back to 2012, it's probably like comparing Aaron Fowler to Cipriani, right? cipriani had so much more talent but Mm. his his attitude and his mentality was shocking whereas farrell actually just had the mentality it was only late a bit later in cipriani's career where he started to have a a much better attitude and mentality towards things and i think this is overall overall he is probably a better player than farrell or has been in his career but it's been detrimental to his own success in my opinion because as you said it's that one percent or yeah i think
2: yeah. I think it's I think you've got to use a different term for it. I think it's gotta be his perceived mentality and his perceived attitude. Because you don't get as talented as Cipriani if well, you just drink beers every weekend and do is, nothing. It, it you is, don't get that talented by doing that. He doesn't wake up, wake up in the morning and then just be that talented. That is just not a thing. He is extremely talented because of all the practice he's done. And yes, his mentality, like that's part of it, mentality. But it's like, it's all perception. It's not actually, like, tangible. You can't grab it. You can't see it. It's just, oh, he grins more. He, he looks more aggressive. That's great mentality. It's like, no, so, so, nah, I don't don't he, buy it.
1: He was going off. He, he yeah, I, I disagree. And let me go right. on. This, 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 let's, this, let's, let's say, go. let's
2: say player A, player A, got a great mentality, goes home and has sex with his wife. Player B, he's got terrible, exact. Terrible, terrible mentality because he just went and had sex with a random girl Matt. Does it make any difference?
1: No, but it's not. It's not just about that. That's all perceived. It's all perceived. Yeah, it might be perceived but there's, it's founded in you know, a lot of evidence I think.
0: But I, th- I think if you look at the difference between a boxer and um, and a rugby player right, a boxer will always come across arrogant because it's an individual sport and he has he's his biggest fan and he's it's it all on him. So it doesn't matter about what what you know his mentality be very, very self-focused, but like I think Cipriani is down for was that he was dish, uh, he was uh dysfunctional to the group and the unit. At the end of the day, no one comes above the unit when it comes to rugby. No one's above the unit, no matter how talented you are, because what kind of image does that, that give off? When you've got all these cogs in a machine, one of them's not working. The whole machine doesn't work. And I think that's where Cipriani just didn't fit in. And then Eddie Jones and a lot of coaches, they'll only have one or two maximum Mavericks on the team. The rest, you toe the line.
1: And I don't there's think... There's players yeah. as well, like, exactly on that point. You know, when he was at Harlequin's uh, Marlon Yard, the winger, him and Joe, Joe Marlow was like, yeah, I didn't speak to him for like two years because he was consistently late for training. He didn't train well. He lost his form as a result of it. And he was just a bit of an arrogant sod throughout. And Joe Marley says this, in he said it in the bloody media to the mm. world, right? And it's kind of down to this point, right? Yeah.
2: So I'd agree with it if he lost his talent. So Marlon Yard, fair enough if he wasn't performing. But if Marlon Yard acted like that and was still the best player in his position, I don't think you've got a reason to criticise him.
1: Yeah, but he's more, a professional. I think, I think the idea here though is more often than not that these players do lose that form as well. I don't they think are, I think that's just I think you're just picking players. examples. Hmm? Like I think
2: rugby such a I think we force rugby players are forced into like this mold of personality. And if they don't hit that mold of personality, then they're seen as like dysfunctional and detrimental hmm. to the group. I don't think anyone would ever accuse Maradona of being detrimental to the group.
1: I don't, I wouldn't agree with that. I think the perception of that is changing now in rugby. I think there's some players that, you know, I, I'll, and I'll tell you the first one that comes to mind straight away is Mac Hanson, the Irish winger. He absolutely loves a session, that guy. And he'll be really open about it. He's there. Like when he moved to Ireland from Australia, he was like, yeah, my plan is to like go to drink in every single pub in Ireland. Right? Like, and he's now the in-form winger heading into the World Cup and the number one-ranked team in the world. Like he is somebody who is kind of breaking this mold, and I think these ext- really extroverted personalities are actually good for the sport. And you are getting more and more of them, but they still, at the same time, they've still got that that competitive edge, that that one extra percent in terms of the mentality and the attitude that they bring into the into mm-hmm. trade. And I think that makes all the difference. But I, th- I think a
0: lot of it could be down to the fact that it's getting more and more. It was get it has been getting more and more professional. So obviously, then money's involved, sponsorships involved. Spon- getting good sponsors equates with a good image, or this kind of thing where people are going to put their names on the front of the shirt and this kind of thing. It's I mean, it's not this. There's not one answer. and There's no right or wrong yeah. answer. You know, and that's why it's a good discussion. Um, do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from, Tom. There are people who you know this is what you should be like, but. You know, you should be able to be be able to express yourself and and be part of it. But it can't be at the detriment of the unit. That's the thing. And that unit could be, right, we're trying to get sponsors in and we need you to have a clean cut image or because you're a professional. You have to toe the line. You're getting paid to do a job. And that isn't just what you do on the pitch. That comes with everything. And that's the lifestyle choice that you've made as a professional. You're getting paid week in, week out to do what we tell you on the pitch and sorry, off the pitch as well. It's all sports. Sports people now are celebrities. You know, and that, that it comes with it.
2: Yeah. But what I really grinds me when it comes to mentality is when coaches say we weren't mentally there or our focus wasn't right or mm. mentally we weren't at the races. Like if I was a CEO of the RFU or, or any club and a head coach came out and said that after a game and gave that as a reason to why they lost, I'd fire them straight away. Because if you can't get that right, which is a non-thing, how the hell can I expect you to coach the line-out or the scrum or how to catch or how to pass? Like That's rubbish. You've got guys that are competitive beasts that want to win games. If you somehow can't get them ready for a game when they're getting bonuses, they're getting more money, everything, everything cut... Their life gets better so much more if they win. If you can't get them ready for a game and they're mentally not there, you're you're just lying to people or you're a moron.
0: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, how many times have you seen automated things like aeroplanes and stuff like that of of things, bad things have happened because of human error? At the end of the day, they're humans, you know, and they've got to put it down to something. When the coach stands out, he's not going to go, oh, I didn't coach right or I didn't pick the right players. He's going to say, well, it was the human error element, which was the mentality. They didn't, they weren't mentally strong enough to impose this. I'm, I'm agreeing with you, Tom. That's what I'm. I, don't shake your head. Right? I'm agreeing with you. What I'm saying is, hey, I think, I think they should. Do I, I don't think they should do that. I think they should be honest and go. do You know what? Probably I didn't. I put my hand up and I didn't prepare them well enough. As opposed yeah. to going, oh, it's because they weren't. They just weren't there mentally. Well, why weren't they there mentally? You're supposed to. You're getting paid to make sure they are there mentally. So I would. What have I'd you been so doing? Say-
1: you know what I mean? I would totally agree with that as well. Totally.
0: But, um, I mean, that, that probably brings on to a nice segue. I mean, Ed, do you want to mention about the, the Instagram thing, about people giving, possibly, you know, sending in some some,
1: some feedback? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I think a couple of things. Firstly, um, join our Waist High Fancy Rugby. Um, it's on the World Cup official site. It's on our Facebook uh, page. It's going to be on our Instagram page. Uh, so, yeah, please join our little pool in the Fantasy Rugby. And we're going to try and maybe even get a couple of prizes, which might be some potential merch we might start creating, or it, it could be something really lame and shit. But either way, you'll get something. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, I think anything to hear from, from anyone who, who's listened. And if you're still listening after a, an hour and 10 minutes of this drivel, then, you also deserve some merch or some reward (laughs) or you need to question your social life. But uh, yeah, we're going to, we're going to start asking people for to submit any questions they've got, anything that they want us to discuss. Um, Even if you want someone to come on, whether it's you a teammate, a coach from, from your club in in Norway or wherever else you you might be listening to, uh, I suspect it's mostly just Norway. Uh, But yes, Please uh, comment, and we'll start doing some stories and some questions and, and stuff like that on on social media. Yeah,
0: because we always start the podcast with the podcast you didn't ask for, but now yeah. we're asking you. Now we're asking you guys who are listening, yeah. the listeners, to give us some give us some feedback. Just you know, if you even if you just want to send some abuse to Tom, which we we really appreciate. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. you yeah. know that that'd be really nice. Uh, and just whether you agree with what we've been saying whether you disagree if you've got anything to add so like for instance today we could ask the question of you know how do you think we can develop rugby in Norway in terms of youth um, or if you just want to let us know what you think about who's going to win the World Cup you know as simple as that because you know it'd be nice just to kind of get the 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 view the, you know the listeners involved what do you think Tom do you think getting the listeners involved and talking about their mentality be good?
1: No
2: no I honestly have no interest in connecting with our audience zero no if I I would like to put a poll out saying would you pick the player with the better mentality or better talent given that there's a 1% difference between the both so one of them would be ranked like 96% talent 95% mentality and the other vice versa which player would you pick and if you pick the one with the better mentality why are you a moron? <laughs> oh,
1: well, there you have it. <laughs> on on that note, I think we can uh, we can finish it there. Uh, so yeah, thank you for listening. Um, hopefully, we'll have a lot of stuff to discuss early next week after the first round of the World Cup and the Norwegian rugby. Um, yeah, I know we didn't really get onto the World Cup, but we don't really need to because it's yeah not started. It's, it's not started yet, so. <laughs> If anything funny or interesting happens, we'll discuss that next time. But yeah, thanks for listening. Cheers.